All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another issue of the Star Wars Spinnerack, a podcast all about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. And in this month, of course, we are dealing with books from April 2015. This is issue number seven, and we're coming to you on the Galaxy of Toys podcast feed. And Galaxy of Toys, of course, as you know, if you're listening to this, hopefully. We're covering action figures and collectibles and Star Wars toys, both modern and vintage, each month coming at you with some new news and reports. And my name is Jake, and I'm your host tonight, Jake Stevens. And when I'm not reading comic books, I'm over at my website from Forlom to Zuckus collecting and talking about Star Wars action figures. So if that's your thing, make sure to head on over there. Find us on Facebook and Twitter, even the Instagram from once in a while. And speaking of the Galaxy of Toys, joining me tonight, my comic co-hosts. Let's start off with our first one. He is the MC of GOT. Jason, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> you, ready? Uh, you read your books for April? I know we're a little bit behind. I actually got behind. I, I did read all the April books. I actually got behind on the comics um, since Celebration, and I did finally catch up. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yes, yeah, Celebration <laughs> was uh, so much fun, so much fun. But it absolutely – I was. I came back, and I'm still – I think we talked about this on Galaxy of Toys. I am, feel like I'm still recovering, trying to get caught up on comic books and action figures and news that's come out since. Yeah, it's fun time. Joining us also tonight is Ryan. You can hear him not only on Galaxy of Toys podcast, but also on uh, Star Wars Collectibles Call. Jeez. <laughs> Wish you guys could remember the name of my podcast. <laughs> Collecting Cosmos. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds right. That's right. That's right. Ryan, how are you doing? I am doing well. Doing well. Ryan, I think you and I are probably in similar boats. On a side note, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan and I are both uh, middle school teachers, and this time of year is just immensely busy. Ryan, you've been busy? Yeah, I took uh, 37 choir kids to an amusement park on Saturday. I've got a concert tomorrow, and I'm taking 27 more kids to an amusement park this Saturday. Um Amusement park stuff is also for performances and adjudications, but uh, actually, I'm doing pretty well. I feel like my kids are pretty ready and, and things are working, so I'm I'm feeling good. And of course, this is a first for uh, Spinnerack, and I hopefully it will not be the last. Our special guest for this week. Um, we have talked for a while now online. We've communicated, but uh, we were able to actually hook up and meet and. I thought get along really well at Celebration this last month, and uh, we are joined tonight by Carlos Munoz, and you might recognize his name because he runs a fantastic Facebook page called Star Wars Comic Books, and you can find that at uh, facebook.com backslash swcomics. Carlos, how are you, my friend? Hey, guys. I'm doing great down here in uh, San Diego, the land of Comic-Con, and uh, happy to be here. We're so happy to uh, have you on. I know we've been trying to do this before, um, but I'm glad we can finally make this happen. And yeah, like yeah. I said, hopefully this won't be the last. Now, Carlos, uh, before we uh, dive into what's new since Star Wars Celebration, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your uh, fandom look like? I, we, of course, know your comic books, but I don't think it ends there. 
What are you? Uh, what's your Star Wars passion? <laughs> yeah, my Star Wars passion. Well, uh, I'm one of those original 1977 start at the movies kind of kid. Uh, grew up with the action figures, you know, uh, with the early bird kit. Anxiously awaiting for that thing to finally show up. Uh, collecting action figures ever since. Um, I do like the prequels. I, I noticed Tom is not on this podcast, but uh, he's out there listening. Uh, you know, don't don't kill me. But, uh, yeah, I'm an original trilogy lover, but the, the prequels are, are good for me, too. And I've followed through with the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, the ongoing Rebel series. So I'm kind of a fan of all things Star Wars. Uh, you put it in front of me, and I, you know, start drooling. So uh, <laughs> just an all-around Star Wars fan fanboy. That's awesome. I know here, at least with us uh, three on the call here with you, I think we all share the same sentiment. We... Uh, we like Star Wars both new and old, and that even includes comic books. Now, that's your, uh, I think that's a big passion of yours. Did you start with the Marvel back in the day? Yeah, actually, um, that is my forte. I love comic books. Uh, not, I'm not exclusively a Star Wars comic book collector, so I don't have anything. I'm not Spider-Man or anything else. Uh, and it happened kind of uh, haphazardly. My father was in a business trip in Los Angeles in March 1977 before the movie even came out. I don't know who he talked to or how he got it, but he came home with Marvel Star Wars number one. I remember this vaguely, uh, or actually pretty well, because it was his birthday. So um, March 8th, 1977, uh, the first day that uh, Star Wars number one was actually issued. Um, I don't think it was on newsstands per se, but it was definitely being distributed somewhere, somehow up in Los Angeles. So he was downtown and picked up a copy, and that just kind of set it off. Um, I... I remember picking up, uh, or not picking up, but basically getting issues two and three. Three, I think, came out just about the same time as the movie did. And having friends come over and, and frantically going through issues one, two, and three and trying to figure out why that scene wasn't in the movie or was it really in the movie and we just didn't see it or maybe we need to go back and watch it again. So, uh, yeah, comic books just kind of sparked the whole Star Wars you know, craziness of just... What you know? What what did the comic have that the movie didn't? What did the movie have that the comic you know? And it's just back and forth, and loved it ever since. That's fantastic. And when you say loved it ever since, um, you've kept collecting through all the Marvel and then the DC yeah. years. All the way through. I said DC. Huh. <laughs> all through the Dark Horse years. Yes. Uh, went through uh, kind of a dry spell there after Droids and Ewoks and. Uh, Picked up again in 91 with Dark Horse and Dark Empire and haven't looked back since. So, yeah, it's been one of those things that just uh, Star Wars comics always piqued my interest. And, yeah, I can say I pretty much have every single issue. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Do you have a favorite run from Dark Horse? Oh, Dark Horse would probably... Um, I was really intrigued. I was uh, The one that captivated me the most was the X-Wing Rogue Squadron series just because Stackpole was... was I really, really, really liked his writing, his stories. Um, but then later on, um, just I think Knights of the Old Republic and later Tales of the Jedi, I think just because it opened up so many different worlds uh, beyond what we were used to in the original trilogy timeline that um, uh, I would probably go back to Knights of the Old Republic with John Jackson Miller. Very cool. Very yeah. good. Well, that's awesome. So I'm so glad you're joining us tonight. Um now, before we get to our comics, and even before we get to the news, we just want to make it clear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the spoiler policy on this show is really there. 
is no policy. We're going to be spoiling everything we talk about, but that's just in regards to the books that came out for April 2015. So if you haven't read those books, then yeah, this would be the time where you would push pause and uh, get caught up and then join us back here for our uh, discussion and breakdown of these titles. So news-wise, um, we attended, Ryan, Jason, and I attended um, Emerald City Comic Con a few months ago, and we spoke to uh, C.B. Sobolski, and he promised a pretty big reveal. You'll definitely want to listen and pay attention to what Marvel does at Celebration. Um, so I was there, and Carlos, you were there next to me the whole time during Marvel's panel, and oh, yeah. uh, pretty much... The only real announcement that they provided was an announcement that they had already broke a day before. And so that was the uh, announcement that we'd be getting a Lando miniseries. What would you think of that, Carlos? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, we called the 18 minutes, you know, panel that, you know, was just kind of high expectation. And, you know, Lando was announced the day prior. So it was just kind of like uh, I was kind of waiting for something to be revealed, something to happen. Uh, even the questions and answers, really not much extra stuff. And I was kind of left kind of disappointed. I, I tweeted some of the things that we were saying, but really no new news broke that, that panel. So, um, yeah, but Lando, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it definitely, uh, especially with Lobot making his appearance as well. Let's find out exactly a little bit more about his Yay. character. <laughs> yeah, right? So, but yeah, I was a little excited about Lando, see what's going to happen. Then they announced that for at celebration. They announced that for a July debut, correct? They did. Uh, they did. They announced it for July first, uh, but since then they've delayed uh, the release. So now we're looking at a July eight release for Lando number one. Okay. Is that so? Are we gonna? Is this gonna? Are we gonna get two books on one week finally? Um. Possibly. I do see a few delays. Um. For other series, for Star Wars and Darth Vader and Princess Leia. So apparently there's either something going on at Marvel production, the comic production, where there's just been one to two week delays on some certain numbers. Uh, for the longest time they were talking about doing kind of a convergence where Star Wars and Darth Vader stories would kind of meet and then go with separate ways and meet again. Mm -hmm. uh, that was supposed to happen here in June and then again maybe um, in early November. Uh, but with these delays, I don't know if that's something that's going to cause the stories to maybe not come together as, as they planned. So something's going on. I'm not sure really what, but uh, they have delayed things a bit. You know, and we've talked about that before. I, I wonder if it's a purposeful delay be, to try to sync them more closely because – Could be. We... Could be. And I'm thinking also maybe there might be another miniseries that's yet to be announced that we may hear at either Comic-Con or at D23 or one of these upcoming uh, that basically coincides more with The Force Awakens. So we do know about Shattered Empire, uh, and Bleeding Cool did report that they will be doing that four-issue miniseries uh, starting with number one on September 2nd. So they did confirm it's a four-issue. Very it good. Is, okay. It's four issues. Number two will also be in September, and then three and four will be in October. So okay. that leads me to believe there may be something still um, in between that and The Force Awakens. And that and might be part of the reshuffling they're doing now. You, I think you're right on that. And then I think one bit that we did learn at Celebration regards to Force Awakens is that 
Uh, I believe that they said they weren't going to put out a comic adaptation until January, until after the release of the film. I applaud them on that. <laughs> That's awesome. You like that? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I've ruined, I wouldn't say ruined, but I've spoiled many Star Wars films because I read the comics first, <laughs> starting back with Return of the Jedi. In uh, 83, I read that uh, comic book uh, before before I saw the movie. Um, as a te- You know, as a 10-year-old, no one could stop me, but, you know, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's a good move. Well, they, uh... Because I will, I'm sorry, I will go buy the comics first and read them as quickly as possible. (laughs) Like, I can't, like I said as a 10-year-old, I mean, even as an adult, like, I I don't have the willpower to not, so I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's good that they're doing that. (laughs) So you may have aged, but you haven't matured. Right. Impulse power. Right, right. That's funny. No, I was thinking about that because, Carlos, you said uh, March 8th. I mean, that's months before A New Hope dropped on May 25th. And so that story was out there, of course, solid in comic form. In the novel, the novel for Star Wars was out in December of 76. So it's kind of always Was it that early? It was, yeah, December 76, yeah. Um, In contrast for The Force Awakens, you know, Del Rey's also announced that the, The Force Awakens novel won't be out until January. Yes. Um, they will have an ebook format in 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 December uh, to coincide with the movie release, but the actual novel hardback won't be out till January as well. So this is kind of lining up with Marvel. Oh yeah, they're trying to get all our money because we're going to be impatient and we're going to buy the ebook and then buy the hardback. <laughs> let's let's just hope they don't go Phantom Menace style and make like seven official covers for us. Oh, <laughs> um. One thing that came um, this earlier this month was that uh, Free Comic Book Day dropped on May 2nd. And uh, not really newsworthy, though, for Star Wars collectors because this year, once again, we did not have a Star Wars comic book. We've had four or five, maybe even six in the past. But this year, even with a major film coming out, we did not uh, get a free comic book. I don't know... If we will, I mean, that, that's going to be, what are you guys' thoughts? Ryan, do you think it's in the future we'll get another Star Wars free comic book day with the knowledge that Marvel owns the first weekend in May for their big superhero film? Oh, yeah, it'll happen. I think this year was maybe a little too soon after they'd relaunched everything. Um, so they were, you know, getting all the new titles going. Uh, so I think next year we, we'll probably see something that'll be, uh, you know, small something or other, but uh, something they can put out there that, that works because everything will be quite established at that point. Um, but I, I don't see Marvel sitting behind and, and not promoting their Star Wars books. I hope you're you right. Know, you know, I hate to complain about things that are free because, you know, that's free <laughs> comic book day and I don't like to complain, but I absolutely hate how Dark Horse has been handled it the last uh, few years. They had the license because it's like only half the book is Star Wars. The other half is something I never want to read, never want to look at, and it just annoys me. I want the whole thing to be Star Wars. But it's free, so can I really complain? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Internet. Of course you can. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Marvel definitely handles it. I don't think Marvel does many split books like that. That's definitely a dark horse trying to get more bang for their buck. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, we'll all cross our fingers that next year, May 2nd, 
or whatever Saturday that is, first in May, we'll be in line to get a Star Wars comic. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we will. <laughs> I'm hoping. Um, let's see. What else do we have for news? Carlos, do you have any tidbits? I know we talked a little bit before the show. Did we cover? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, the only other thing is uh, the C-3PO comic is still a yes. mystery. It's still a question mark. We don't know if it's going to be a one-shot or another miniseries. Uh, and that's what... a Journey to the Force Awakens title. Exactly, yes. Okay. Uh, so that's the only other real big thing. Uh, there are, oh yeah, um, I thought we were done with Star Wars number one variants. Well, oh. <laughs> there's going to be a director's cut uh, of Star Wars number one and Darth Vader number and one. And Darth Vader, yep. Okay. Um, out on June 17th. And the cool thing about these is it's also, you know, it's a rehash of Star Wars number one comic book, but it also includes script pages and in-progress artwork. So that should be cool to see how, uh, how the pages were put together from an art and script perspective. Very cool, and you and you will be picking up all these. Yeah, you know. <laughs> now, I think last time, I think when we talked to Celebration of the hundred plus covers for Star Wars number one, I think you said you were somewhere in the seventies. Is that still true? Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason's really falling off his chair. <laughs> I, I've kind of divided it up into what I call variants and versions. Um, there are about seventy. Six, seventy-seven variant covers out there, and then there's versions, which are just basically the same covers, but they're signed by you know this guy in red ink and this guy in purple ink and this guy in blue ink, sure. and so they're not really variants; they're just dynamic forces squeezing money off people. Um, people, that's what the hundred hundred variant cover uh, headlines you see on on different sites are pretty much talking about. But in reality, there's only about seventy-seven, seventy-eight right now, uh, with this new director's cut one coming out as well. So, but yeah, I kind of managed to uh, slowly get one by one and build up an entire box of just number one. I don't know why, but I'm just <laughs> crazy lightweight. Well, you're, you're you're talking to guys here who have thousands upon thousands of the same action figure. It seems like so we can't we can't judge here. Right? It's it's you know there's completeness of everything. You know, and I'm completeness oh, yeah. Star Wars comic fanfare. So. That's awesome, and I believe on your Facebook page you do a fantastic job at cataloging a lot of those into albums, so people That's can scroll right. through. Yeah, the albums are my primary way of, of pretty much checklisting, you know, what's out there, and, and I encourage people that if they do want to know what's out there, that they just hey, check out the album, uh, post comments, ask questions. If you're looking for something specifically, I can guide you and point you in the right link and help you out that way as well. But uh, yeah, the albums are, are my way of kind of. Showing all the stuff that's there and what's coming up soon or next time or, yeah, it's, it's kind of a checklist sort of speak. Awesome. Helpful for you and many others. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Including myself. I think I visit your page daily, so. Oh, thanks. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, April's books. We had four books this uh, this month of April 2015, and uh what we'll be doing is we'll uh, we'll read the solicitations. We'll we'll chat about them, some of the developments that happened inside them, some thoughts about what you guys uh, felt about the books, any Easter eggs you may have found, things like that. And then uh, at the end of each book, before we go on to the other, we will do our patent Death Star rating system trademark TM. And uh, of course, for those listening for the first time, how it works is we rate using Death Stars, and one Death Star. Uh, more or less represents this book is about as good as the Death Star plans, meaning that they should have went back and revisited the plans because it's just not working. Uh, two Death Stars means 
Yeah, the the book, you know, the book and the Death Star is a little bit unfinished, but yet it's maybe protected shield generator. It's got some forest moon protection, so it's not bad, but it's not super great. And then the third Death Star is a complete and fully functional story. So we'll be rating these Death Stars 1, 2, or 3. Now, April uh, starts off with our the fourth newest uh, title to join the Marvel ranks, and that would be Kanan, the last Padawan, number one, and this dropped on April 1st. Kanan is a Jedi that is very much in this time period between episodes three and four of the films, given up being a Jedi. You know, was forced underground by Order 66, in essence, and hasn't acted as a Jedi. He's kept his lightsaber locked away, um, so he hasn't used it in a long time. He can't be obviously a Jedi. Because if he is, he's going to get killed. And he's sort of forsaken the Jedi ways when all the Jedi were wiped out. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right now and say that this was my standout for the month of April. I enjoyed this book. But this book was written, though, by uh, Greg Wiseman, who has done work on the Star Wars Rebels TV show, which is also very cool because he also writes for movies. So, And it was uh, drawn by Pepe Larraz. And the solicitation for this book says, Kanan Jarrus in Star Wars Rebels, he's a cocky, sarcastic renegade fighting against the Galactic Empire alongside the ragtag crew of the Ghost. But years before... At the height of the Clone Wars, he was known as Caleb, I'm going to say Dumay. You think it's Doom or Dumay? I haven't heard it. Yeah. I've been saying Doom when I read it, but I don't think Doom. it's, I don't know if it's been pronounced. No, I haven't heard it pronounced either, so I'm just, we're just going to make it up here. Uh, we'll go with Doom. <laughs> he is Jedi Padawan under the instruction of Jedi Master Depa Bilaba. Neither Master nor Apprentice ever suspected that the clone troopers they commanded would turn on them upon the issuing of Order 66, the order to execute all Jedi. How did Caleb Doom survive? How did he learn to survive on his own? And how did he become the man we know as Kanan Jarrus? That is the solicitation for Kanan number one. <clears throat> this uh, story uh, immediately starts off as a flashback. Well, not as it does immediately start off flash, flashback. They established that the main book, the look back at Order 66 and the Canaan as a youth, is going to be taken from a flashback perspective. So this book could, for all intents and purposes, be on the same timeline as Star Wars Rebels. Because it starts off with the crew of the Rebels and looking very um, much like their television counterparts. And uh, then it flashes back upon the name of a familiar planet. And this planet is the one uh, that the story opens with on the flashback. And we flash back to when Kanan is just a very new Padawan. It, it says in the book he's only a few months old. That means his relationship with Depa uh, probably isn't that well established as it kind of shows throughout the book. Uh, they end up fighting on this planet called Collar. And I really, really enjoyed the new Separatist general we have. His name is General Cleave. We didn't get to see much of him, but he was a Devarian that had some very cool-looking horns. Uh, Jason, let's start off. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take it a different perspective, a different show right now. Uh, action figure-wise, General Cleave would make a fantastic action figure, yes? Yeah, he would. I, I think it would be um, not too difficult to make a custom version from maybe one of the other 
is it Devorian or Devrin or yeah, the De- devil f- devil guys. We've had two today, yeah. right? Yeah. We've had Labria from the Cantina, and we had uh, Vili right. Vilmar from uh, from Repub- Republic. Yeah, Republic. Um, Isn't that new Rebels guy too? Also the same thing. In the oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It would be correct. cool. Um, I pers- I don't think Hasbro has time for any of this kind of stuff these days, mm-hmm. but um, it'd be cool. Definitely. It would be very cool. I I I am a man. I still miss the comic book two packs. Yeah. <laughs> when I walk down the Hasbro aisle and I see that they're still putting Transformers in with comic books, I just kind of grit my teeth and keep walking. <laughs> so we see General Cleave, who's occupied this planet for the Separatists. He um, a couple things stick out from his very brief dialogue is that he mentions that their information wasn't all the way accurate, that Depa Bawaba still seems coherent, was not unstable like they had heard, the intelligence had provided. Now, I don't know who else here has read um, uh, Shatterpoint, the Mace Windu Clone Wars um, novel from 10 years ago or so. Anyone here? I've read it. Okay. It, it's not my favorite novel, but it did talk about how in that novel, Depa Balaba kind of went to the dark side, got some weird, went into some weird coma, had some problems done to her, and she was very, she didn't, well, in that book, she didn't really come out of it. So in my, I mean, we know that that is obviously no longer canon, but is this the a reference to Shatterpoint? Is there is there anything else you guys have read about Depa in recent new canon that states that she should be a little unstable? Um, nope. Not that I can think of. I don't even think she was mentioned much, if at all, in the uh, A New Dawn novel. Um, so she had a, didn't she appear at the beginning? Just very briefly, beginning. maybe yeah. does she? Yeah, yeah it's... Had a bit of interaction with uh, Kenobi. Okay, uh, yeah, but, um, but I can't really remember much about her f- from that novel, at least. Yeah, so. I. Which would be I, canon. Yes, it would be. Yeah. So that's what it. I mean, it feels like, and we knew that they were going to do this. They, we knew that they were going to take parts of the, quote unquote, legends. Now, legends doesn't feel right to me. Still, and still expanded universe. Yeah. They were they were going to take bits from that and weave it into the new universe. So I wonder if that is supposed to more or less refer to the story of Shatterpoint. It might be. I you know the the, the official announcement says that we would they would draw upon legends or you know the EU mm-hmm. to to augment their stories and inspire their stories. So this peppering or this drawing from, I mean, it could possibly come from Shatterpoint. It could be, but I mean. I feel like if it's Order 66, I feel like I know what's coming after this comic. Therefore, what, back, like, what opportunities would they have to explore Depa more? Because I feel like she's probably going to bite the dust pretty early here. So it's, it's weird. It's a very it's a throwaway reference, but I'm, I'm hung up on it for some reason. Oh, it's a good catch. All right, so... Um, Another thing that popped up, and I think this is the first time since we've rebooted the canon, is uh, 
they have them. They have uh, Depa and Kanan practicing Jedi lightsaber forms. Have you guys come across this in any of the new canon works? Hmm. I haven't read all. I'm behind on the novels, and so I can't. I can't yeah, say the but... uh, on the TV show Rebels. Uh, Kanan and Ezra play like baseball, uh, lightsaber, <laughs> whatever, in the backyard. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, see? No, I know. I know. There's no talk of Form 1 or Form no. 2 or Vampad. That's right. Mace Windu's style, right? And all yeah. It was, around, it was around Episode 2 when they started establishing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I never really liked Honestly, I never really liked it. I didn't, I didn't need to. I just never felt like it was worth. To me, it wasn't, like, worthy of explaining it all because. But... Wasn't it long before that they started doing that with, like, the Terrace Kasi stuff? Uh, in the video game? Maybe I don't know. I never played the game. I only I, I just remember the uh, visual dictionary and stuff yeah. started really going in depth with that uh, around episode two. But, yeah, they really. They, I mean, it seemed like it was in every like yeah every visual guide, every souvenir magazine. I mean, they really they really went hardcore with it. But then I think after that, it was referenced a little bit with Mace Windu. You know, I think, again, in yeah. the Shatterpoint novels, because Vampad is his form that could cross into the dark side, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was another, maybe a peppering of the previous universe coming into our new canon now that they're um, dealing with Form 3, which I think I wrote down here in my notes is Sore is the name of the form. But, you know, who follows that anymore? <laughs> Uh, we see another thing pop up. Uh, Depa gives uh, Kanan a gift here, which he carries on into Rebels. And we see the origin of the holocron that is eventually even passed down to Ezra at this point. So that was something that uh, made its debut here. Jason, I'm going to go to you on this one. At the end of this book, um, after Kanan and Depa have... Uh, help to liberate this planet. It is right, right about the time that Order 66 is issued, and these couple of clone commanders that they've been working with are given the order to do what we know these clone troopers are programmed to do and assassinate the Jedi. Um, when I think it's Commander Styles gets the call, Styles or Gray, one or the other, uh, gets the call, He, uh, it's personalized. What did you think of the fact that Palpatine is personalizing every one of these commanders uh order 66. Well, he 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 needs to let them all know they're part of the team and that they're doing a good job and he wants to personally ask them, you know. You, so you think Palpatine like in his office there has like a big Rolodex like, you know. All right, commander Kyle. <laughs> yeah, he might. He might actually Commander Gray, Commander Cody. That <laughs> yeah. sounds like a really hard job. Yeah. Take a bit of time, too. <laughs> I know, right? Right. How many millions upon millions of clones are there out there? So <laughs> I thought that was really interesting that he got a personal call. Maybe maybe it, uh, I don't know, I can't justify it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't rationalize <laughs> it in my brain. Because <laughs> you would think it would just be like, execute, order 66, and everyone would get that pop-up on their you know, they're calm on their sleeve, and then it's... Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we have Order 66 uh, initiated, but we don't see the end result of that, uh, most likely in episode uh, issue two of this. Now, I, uh, again, I said this book is a standout, and I think for a couple of reasons. This is all, this Clone Wars era comics, I really, really enjoyed. Back in the, oh, I don't know what to call it. The first version of Clone Wars, back when they, um, when it was just Clone Wars with no the before the TV show, when they were very carefully tracking by month all the different battles of Jabim and the second battle of Coruscant and the battle of Yavin, when all these were taking place, I really enjoyed that era of Dark Horse comics, and this rings true to a little bit of this. Those massive battles with clone troopers and battle droids and Jedi leading the charge, I really enjoyed that. And the other thing I really enjoyed about it, it was this art seems like comic book art. And I really, I'm a comic book, I'm a comic book reader. I read X-Men, I read Avengers, I'm, you know. I, I enjoy the fact that this has a very comic animation style to it. Carlos, what's your thoughts on the uh, Pepe's? I totally agree. Pepe Larraz is the artist for uh, for this uh, comic book. His artwork is stupendous. Uh, primarily, what you know, the, the training scenes, those those you know, the Master and Padawan training mm-hmm. scenes, captured those awesomely. And then the battle scenes, you know, that's gone the attack kind of thing. I mean, he. It was just you could see the action just flowing through the pages. Uh, yeah, definitely comic style um, without having to go too much into realism. But it was Pepe Larraz did an ap- absolutely great job on the on the artwork and the colors. Uh, David Curiel did the colors. Um, kind of harkened back a little bit to Dark Horse, uh, Dark Empire, 1991. You know those color hues of the blues and the dark reds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of, I mean, it, it really worked together with the artwork. So it was, it was nice. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, I think it was a standout. It was a, it was a great first issue and I don't think, uh, Mark Brooks's, uh, cover is anything to complain about either. I think it's pretty beautiful. The classic oh. cover with, uh, uh, Depa and, uh, Caleb or Kanan surrounded by a bunch of, uh, clone troopers, shock troopers. It's a very nice cover. Ryan, uh, what'd you think of the cover on this one? Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know. <laughs> it's good. I'll fill in the blanks for you. It's great. All right. Uh, it must be good. <laughs> yeah, I can't right. find my, my uh, Canaan number one currently, so I don't know where I put it. Oh, but you read it, but that's what's important. I did read it, yes. All right. Well, then, Ryan, let's start with you. Uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on this book? How many Death Stars... Um, I'm going to go two and a half. Uh, it was a good start, and, and I enjoyed it. Um, and it's definitely getting to the meat there at the end. We're getting a little bit of backstory here. So, I, I, yeah, I'll go two and a half. Perfect. Jason? I got to say, I've been kind of lukewarm on Rebels, the show. I haven't been – I haven't. It's it's been up and down with that show for me. And A New Dawn I didn't think was that exciting. Um, so I really was not looking forward to reading this comic, but I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, definitely one of the best, uh, titles, if not the best from April. So, um, my only major complaint about the whole issue is that the, uh, the back of the comic book still has that same Hasbro ad 
that they've been putting on every comic since this uh, this whole thing started. Um, and I'm just tired of that ad. So please, <laughs> That's too funny. Cha- gonna... change it up. Every book looks the same on the back. So <laughs> that's my only complaint. So I would definitely go three, three, uh, three Death Stars for this one. Awesome. That's too funny you said that because uh, I forgot to put that in my notes. That was something I was going to bring up, <laughs> the fact that it's like six months now and they're still – like Hasbro paid a fat dollar yeah. to just blanket these Marvel books. I'd, I'd rather see anything at this point. I mean put a Skittles ad or something. I don't know. <laughs> just something different. Just something different needs to be on the back. Yeah, no. I'm still waiting for our three and three quarter advertisements <laughs> to show up. I'm hoping someday. All right, uh, Carlos. Uh, yeah, for for the reasons stated, the artwork uh, by Pepe Larraz again. Uh, I think that one really did it for me. I had a little bit of hesitation going into Canaan. I, I thought, oh, it's just going to be kind of a you know capitalizing on the Rebels hype. Uh, didn't know really how they were going to fit in his backstory, but they did it beautifully. I mean, the whole. Just focus one page, just kind of introduce the character, and then boom, back to the flashback. I think they did that really, really well. And then the last page, Order 66, boom, just leaves you cliff hanging right there. You know what what, what it is, but it just kind of, well, what happened? What happens? you, you got to get number two now. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm giving it three stars. It really, really uh, has been my favorite Marvel comic so far. Very good, man. This is getting good marks. And I'm going to mimic what... Uh pretty much you all just said uh i the one thing i will say that this book really did for me is the first couple of pages i wanted more of that too i wanted more i want a comic book rebels adaptation i kind of liked the way they were portrayed i mean i think obviously we owe a lot to uh pepe on this but uh i I would be excited for that because i have no idea where that story is going to go right the the other books we'll talk about today we we know where they're going to end up or evolve to because obviously you know they've made multiple movies past that point but with rebels man that's an open world they have there still we still don't know the fates and i would still like to explore more rebels in the rebel time frame but i'm going to two going to go with three death stars on this one kanan number one good start got great rating by us all here Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. What are you talking about? I love you. You love me? I thought that we had decided not to fall in love. That we would be forced to live a lie. And that it would destroy our lives. I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway. Well, the following week uh, brings us to Darth Vader number four. And that dropped on April 8th. And this story is still being written by Kieran Gillian and uh, drawn by Salvador La Roca. And the solicitation for this book reads, Revenge of the Battle Droids? Question mark. Vader returns to Genosis to build his army, and the Lord Vader's ascension continues. 
So this story, <laughs> this book was definitely interesting. I've been enjoying Darth Vader. I think we've all been enjoying, uh, Ryan, Jason, and I have been enjoying Darth Vader so far, uh, the first three issues. I'll say this one takes a little different turn. Uh, Ryan, what were your initial thoughts upon finishing Darth Vader number four? You mean with the hybrid battle droid thing, or <laughs> yes, or the, or the the queen alien? I mean the I mean the Geonosis hive mother cyborg. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of strange. <laughs> What's that, Carlos? With the robot womb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was very odd. Yeah. This is. Um, uh, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things I found interesting was that the the ship that pops up is basically the um, Amidala starship from Episode One. Absolutely, it is. I could. I was. I. Yeah. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be shocked because uh, previously, and I believe Star Wars, it was the Sith infiltrator was shown being piloted by, uh, you know, Grievous and Sidious. So. This is the second, like, pretty iconic prequel ship to show up, and this says again, this score, this this book is exploring a different side of Vader. That very, he is super sentimental about the Naboo, about Leia. Uh, I said Leia, about Padme, about even her ship. I thought that was really interesting too. I think Darth Vader has a. Um a shrine to Padme where he keeps every possible thing he has of hers, including this ship. Yeah. I mean, that's the way they're kind of setting it up that his, his, you know, his stoicness, his darkness is coming from solely from that loss, you know? Yeah. He, they're, they're, they're portraying him, you know, very subtly, but pretty tortured in this, in this book. So this book starts off with uh, Vader continuing his quest to build an army with the help of Dr. Aphra. And to do this, they head to Geonosis, another prequel location. So, uh, shoot, for those keeping tally, how many prequel locations have we been to so far? We've been exploring quite a few of them so far in just these early years of, or these early months of Marvel coming back into the fold. But we're on Geonosis, but Geonosis has been uh, changed a little bit from uh, when we last saw her in Episode 2 because it has since been sterilized. The Empire has dropped bombs and essentially eliminated uh, all of the Separatist Geonosians who lived there because, of course, once they became the Galactic Empire, they now became the enemy. So their usefulness was then... No longer needed. So this place has been sterilized. Except for the existence of one surviving hive mother. And we only know about hive mothers because of the Clone Wars. Um, Jason, you remember what season that was in when they went It was there? season two, I'm pretty sure. It was that early, huh? Yeah. It was like, is that the landing at Point Rain stuff? So was, was that? Yeah, I think so. Was Point yeah. Rain on Geonosis? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that wasn't Ryloth. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. yeah. And there were like the zombie, the uh, yes. zombie Geonosians. Yes, yes, yes. yes that yes. was that was. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. It was, but we got action <laughs> figures of it, so I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so we that was we, back when we got action figures of everything. Yeah. Yeah, those were fertile years, seasons one, two, and three. <laughs> The 
that also establishes that Poggle from the actual Attack of the Clones was given the term the lesser because obviously this was a matriarchal society where these hive queens, much like xenomorphs from the movie Aliens, kind of have the hive queen who pump out all the eggs. We here have a queen who has been sterilized, so she survived the bombing, but she's no longer able to produce children normally. So she has instead created some type of robotic, electric, computer factory womb where she spits out, for lack of any better word, droids that look like Geonosians, and they she believes them to be her children. So this is a crazy concept here. This is a little... To me, it's not, I don't know. Carlos, is this a Star Wars? Is this work in your Star Wars world? It uh, it harkens back. It almost like, is Marvel going back to Marvel 7785? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going with this, Marvel? This is like a um, Mirror Universe Star Trek episode. Because you've got like an evil R2, an evil C-3PO, and an evil Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like... And an evil Anakin. And an evil Leia, or a Padme, man. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, it reminds me of, of Star Trek. That's a very good point. It's <laughs> a very good point. Now, the reason I say uh, evil Padme, because I think they... Uh, right. I think, I think they make it very obvious that he, he's being... He's reflecting on his previous experience on Geonosis, and they open in one scene where he's, she says... Uh, Dr. Afra asks him, have you ever been to Geonosis? And he thinks back immediately to the kiss where Padme started everything. I mean, <laughs> up until that, I think they had had an understanding. But Padme broke her vows or changed the game with that kiss. Um, and then immediately it goes to a scene of Vader and Afra walking in a domed type of archway into a cave, which kind of mimics it. I mean, there's no kiss, of course, but they're definitely drawing the parallels. Uh, she's infatuated. She's scared of him. She's she's a little masochistic, maybe. And uh, he definitely is reenacting or filling in that same moment. So they're definitely doing a call-out to uh, that she's drawing some type of, you know, I think it, it's nice how subtle they are with the attraction that Vader might have for her, especially in this uh, issue later on. That um, She goes, well, I've served my usefulness. I guess it's time to kill me. I'd prefer a lightsaber through the neck. And, of course, he says, no, 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 you're useful. You're not dying. Yeah, but so, he says that towards the end. I mean, up to that moment, Vader is extremely quiet throughout most of his comic, actually. He he says very, very little, and I think his silence is part of that reflection. He's on Geonosis, mm-hmm. oh, the flashback. I'm thinking that just weighs heavy on him, and he's he kind of just, you know, he's very, very short on her when he does speak, but then for the most part, he just remains quiet until the end. But, uh... You're true. He does. He does drop that line. Quit your probing, woman, or something like that. Right. Yeah. No. It, it, it was a. It was a. It was a powerful in his reflections and his pieces. It was powerful. I really enjoyed what they did with it. It's the Geonosis electric womb or whatever you got going on, which is a little, <laughs> little crazy. Um, Jason, do you love or do you hate BT and Triple Zero? 
This is what I was referring to as the evil C-3PO and mm-hmm. R2-D2. I think it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I, um, hmm. I, I actually do like them in the comic, even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The comic in general, this, this issue doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I still enjoyed it. I still uh, thought thought it was interesting, even though I was I can't quite see this happening. Like, um, this doesn't. We're, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna talk later about how this meshes with your canon, your personal canon, because you know I think I'm I think I have some uh, feelings that mirror kind of your own in regards to where this sits and where this sits with the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're they're fun. They're fun characters. But yeah. do you see them in? You see them appearing in. You know, Force Awakens, for example. No, I no, 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 no. No, they they just don't seem like they're of that same. Uh, they they uh, belong in a comic book. Uh, it harkens back to the the old Dark Horse droid series with you know the C three PX, you know, C three PX, the assassin. Right. So it's it's yeah, it's it's more of a to me, it's a that's a comic book character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should yeah. stay there. Absolutely agree. Now, of course, what their ultimate plan is after they, uh, what they do is they separate the hive mother from her womb and use the queen, Amidala's uh, ship, to pull it out of Geonosis. They break it up through the roof, and then they take it to her, um, to her lab, to her floating satellite base that Dr. Afra has, and that's where she... Uh, continues to now modify it and create it to produce uh it looked like commando super commando battle droids this look like uh what it's making for vader vader's in his pursuit he doesn't trust palpatine nor should he um so his goal is to create an army and now he has this machine that can spit out soldiers for him and this is thanks to afra and uh as he's starting to come to this conclusion that he's now got an army builder uh, this is when he gets a visit from the Wookiee bounty hunter that was uh, given to him by Jabba the Hutt to figure out what Palpatine's agent, with the one with the Greedo eye, and we reveal his name is Dr. Silo Four, uh, what his true intentions were. Uh, why is he? What, what's his plans? Why is he? What's he conniving with uh, the Emperor with here? And apparently, his goal is to find Vader's replacements, or to create, we're assuming here, not by not having read number five. Uh, so, we have some interesting developments here. Vader, of course, is already dealing with um, uh, people to replace him. This isn't anything new to the Star Wars comics, or even Star Wars world at all, since... Uh, Luke was meant to replace Vader. Uh, Prince Caesar, back in the Shadows of the Empire, was pitted to replace Vader. What are some uh, other examples? I, I don't believe that at all. I never think Caesar was supposed to replace Vader. You think he was just an antagonist? To... Yeah, I, I think the, the Palpatine was playing with him to get control of the underworld. Okay, okay. Uh, what other replacement options have been in the past, comic book-wise? Hmm. I know there's more out there. I was thinking some earlier today, but it's been a long day. But this isn't a new concept. Um, 
don't know. Uh, ends at that pretty much. That was the beat that it ends on. That Vader has potential rivals to um, confront. That the Emperor is not trusting in him as the sole, uh, <laughs> I guess, enforcer of his will. Since he's lost not only the Death Star, but also uh, in the last few issues, we saw uh, Psy Moon One, or actually in Star Wars, we saw the destruction of the big uh, weapons factory, which. So, yeah, so, uh, I don't know. Jason, thoughts on this issue? Give it a rating. Um, I will, I'll give this one two Death Stars. I enjoyed it, but I see it as very not probable. I really, the thing I didn't like about it most was that I don't think Darth Vader needs a droid army. He has legions of stormtroopers, and I just don't see him, you know, wanting a droid army. Um... The prequel, if the prequel showed us anything, it's that droids are not an effective army. And I don't know. I just thought Vader, Vader wouldn't do that. He's got stormtroopers. He can do, he can do stuff with them. Yeah, that brings up a great point. What, what about the 501st? Isn't that Vader's fist? Isn't right. that his personal legion? Yeah, that's what I thought. So for that, for that, I think that's the major flaw of this, of this issue. But I still did enjoy it. It's still fun. So that's why I'll give it. Two Death Stars. Two Death Stars from Jason. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I'm right there with Jason. I'm going to go two Death Stars. This was interesting, but it kind of gets... I, I know this is strange to say with a comic book, but it gets comic booky. Um, <laughs> the, the whole thing with the, 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 mother, the queen mother thing and the weird uh, droid-geonosian hybrid thing, it was just strange. And... Um, I don't know. I had a hard time reconciling the Vader in this book with the Vader in the movies. Up until this point, I've really felt it's been a really good portrayal of Vader. And there's spots in here that work, but, I mean, part of this is like, I, I don't know. This just doesn't seem like the same Darth Vader anymore. Uh, so it, it's hard for me to say. So I'm just going to go with two Death Stars. It seems to be moving in the right direction, but I didn't think this was as good as the previous stuff. Very good. Carlos? Yeah, I came into this series um, after after number three. I was excited that they introduced new characters, Dr. Afra, Triple Zero, the Blastomech. Um, it had that Indiana Jones kind of feel to it. Uh, even then, I would have given that number three uh, two star, two Death Stars. So, and I've kind of, I must say, I've kind of cheated because I've read number five, so I know kind of where this is going. So that just makes number four not so good for me. Um, it, it really... The strong point was, I think, the Vader. You know, the the solicitation said he's in a, he's on an ascension. You know, he's going he's he's coming up after being beat down by the Emperor after his loss of the Death Star and so forth. Um, but you know, he's he's quiet. He's not really revealing much. He's he's contemplating. He's looking. He's having these flashbacks back with you know Padme and such. Uh, so that's probably the strong point. But the the rest of the story, yeah, it's a comic book, but it just it just doesn't feel Darth Vader. Um, so with that, I'm, I'm, I'm barely giving it two Death Stars. Okay. Yeah, you make some great points out there. Uh, I kind of feel, I think, like Ryan does. This, uh, th this Vader doesn't feel like the same Vader necessarily. I mean, there's some powerful parts to this. Like I said, there's the, I like his vulnerability. I like him showing up in uh, Padme's ship. But the other parts of him jumping on the back of Queen Mothers and... Um, it just it, yeah, it doesn't feel like the Vader that we've 
known for a very long time. So I will mimic what you all have said here, and it uh, looks like this guy's getting two Death Stars straight across the board. That is correct. Silly Jedi, silly Jedi. Don't make me destroy you. Now that takes us to Star Wars number four, and this dropped on uh, April 22nd, and this is still being written by Jason Aaron, and uh, with pencils by, arts and color actually, by John Cassidy. The solicitation for this says, the greatest space adventure of all time continues. Luke Skywalker is not a Jedi, not yet at least. He's only ever met one Jedi in his life, and he died. So Luke's quest leads him back to Obi-Wan's hut on Tatooine. Let's start with, uh, I know, a lot of our favorite, at least Ryan and I, and I think Carlos is in there. Uh, One of my favorite things about Star Wars are the variant action figure covers. And uh, this book not only offered one, but two (laughs) action figure covers. And the first one was uh, the wide release one that was sent to comic book shops all around was the Chewbacca action figure cover. Ryan, you picked this one up? Yes, I did pick up the Chewbacca cover. This was one that came out like middle of April while we were at Celebration and that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get out to a store. So I just picked it up on eBay for like uh, five bucks or something like that. Oh, not bad. That's still cheaper than I have to buy them for. Um, Carlos, you picked up Chewbacca, of course? Of course, yes. <laughs> of course. Now, here's the question. We know that you're crazy on uh, Star Wars number one, but are you following through with the variants on all of these titles as well? Guilty as charged. Awesome. No, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad to say I know someone who does. That's awesome, because in the back of my mind, I would like to, but there's not enough dollars in the day. Um and then, uh, Jason, you are uh, refusing until Lobot. That right? was that's one ugly looking Chewbacca action figure on the cover. I I there's no way I'd pick that up. No way. You guys, yeah, you guys are so hard on this. You guys are so. For those who don't know that, Jason Ryan and the and the other gents, Chris and uh, Tom, we have an ongoing Facebook message all day long, every day. And uh, when this cover dropped, man, you would have thought they put <laughs> a turd on this cover because you guys were not fans. Did they not look at the action figure before they decided to draw it? These are these are not exact. These are inspirations. These are good, like, you know, they're, some they're of not them, exact replicas. Some of them, they get, they, get, they get correct. Like, the R2-D2 looks good. Yeah. The C-3PO looks terrible as well, as long as we're on this. <laughs> oh, his legs are all stretched out. And Anyways, I'm C-3PO's sorry. next month. Um, I just okay. get a vinyl cape job instead of a cloth job. <laughs> ah, that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, now, that was the first one, and that was the easy one to get if you journeyed into a comic book store. The not fun one to get is the Boba Fett exclusive. I know we talked about this briefly because I think it dropped right before we recorded our last show. 
But this uh, Boba Fett exclusive was available only through uh, the action figure comic uh, cover off, uh, artist. Sorry, tripping over my words here. Uh, John Tyler Christopher's website. And uh, it was put up, and it was a, uh, I think it was $30 after shipping. And that sucker sold out pretty quickly. I think it was in two days. Am I right, Carlos, on that one? Yeah, it did. Um, it came out, uh, it was posted first on his website on April 22nd, and by, I would say, midday on the 23rd, they were sold out. Yep. Um, they were $20 a cover with $8 shipping. Yep, so just about almost 30 bucks. And uh, I assume you picked one of these up, sir? I did. Actually, I picked up two. Um, not really thinking that they were going to be that crazy, but, you know, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. So, sure. uh, yeah, um, yeah, I picked up two that same day. And I think uh, I don't really follow eBay because it's just it's crazy as far as prices. But I think someone was saying that the last time they saw it was about $175, <laughs> roughly. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Again, I don't, I don't place the value on comics. I, I enjoy the comics for the art and the covers and the art, you know, the artists themselves. But um, yeah, just ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I and I think we share the same sentiment because uh, I picked one up and I had him actually in the mar in the special notes there. I had him actually make it out to the Star Wars spinner rack. So I had mine <laughs> signed on the cover and personalized. So it's mine forever and uh, no amount of dollars will separate me with it at least right now no <laughs> um so yeah boba fett was a difficult one there was rumors that uh it was going to be also available at c2e2 and did that actually pan out no it did not that, no, that's uh, what i thought john, john tyler christopher the guy with three first names mm -hmm. uh wife actually i believe i don't know if it was facebook or twitter but either way she came out and said that no, it was a misunderstanding. It was not never going to be a CE2, a C2E2 release. Um, it just happened to be coincided with the date. I think that was it. Um, but no, it wasn't actually available there. He he pretty much sold out online uh, two days into it and started shipping on his own. Actually, it was kind of like a him and his wife shipping them all out to everybody. So yeah, it was definitely like a mom and pop. He he sure must was. have. Uh... It must have been a favor, the fact, uh, you know, from Marvel would allow him to kind of take advantage of this, because I'm sure he made a pretty penny off it. Um, sure. I, I think I heard, was it 5000 Was that limited to? 5000 yes. Yeah, okay. Um, but I brought up C2E2 because we forgot to cover it in news. Uh, there was an additional action figure comic book variant that did make its debut at C2E2, which is the Chicago comic book con here um but this one uh was not of star wars number four it was a uh, black and white variant of star wars number one and right. this one of course was uh luke skywalker was on star wars number one appropriate and uh but this one we thought was going to be available at his booth and uh, i think you and i were both planning on having people head to the booth and pick it up i know uh our good friend over here at galaxy toys Arnie from Star Wars Action News went and checked for me, and uh, they did not provide this at the booth. But instead, Carlos, correct me if I'm wrong, this was given out by Diamond Distributors at some type of partner party. Is that correct? Yeah, it was actually a, a retailer breakfast. They had okay. the morning of the 24th. Um, so apparently Diamond has kind of like when they do their um, 
their diamond retail, uh, what is it, expo once a year thing. Mm -hmm. um, they did a, a breakfast for specific diamond retailers, and this was kind of part of their goodie bag uh, that morning. So it wasn't available in a booth. It wasn't for sale to the public. It was just a breakfast thing. Now, has your uh, connections been able to pick up one of those for you? Yeah, I did, actually. A friend of mine, Brian Sweeney, who happened to be there that day, um, picked up actually two or three, and uh, he contacted me out of the blue. I was kind of surprised, and he said, I got one for you, and I was like, oh, and I almost fainted, and <laughs> yeah, so um, he kept, I think, the other one. He was going to recoup his money on eBay, but at least I got one, and he gave, he only charged me what he paid for it, so I was kind of, or what he got it for, I guess. I don't sure. know if he paid for it, but... Yeah, so I was kind of happy, uh, lucked out actually. I don't think I would have. I'm definitely would not have paid whatever eBay prices are going for that thing right now. So, yeah, I haven't looked on that one, but I'm going to at some point because that is a hole in my action figure collection variant cover. So, yeah. well, good on you. I'm glad for that. Now back to Star Wars number four. Star Wars number four. That's funny. The solicitation definitely hypes up. Um, hypes up Luke Skywalker in this book because it talks about Luke is not yet a Jedi. He's heading back to Obi-Wan's hut. Uh, very interesting. I mean, they must have wrote this solicitation before they had actually finished this book because he does not head back to Obi-Wan's <laughs> hut in this book. I mean, it's assumed, but he's just saying, hey, let's head to Tatooine. So, um, yeah, the, the solicitation gives away more than the actual comic book does and what Luke's uh, true motives does. But the true uh, stars, the two stars, I would say, of this comic, uh, or the characters we're meant to focus quite a bit on, is Jabba the Hutt and Darth Vader. They are coming together once again. Um, we saw them speak uh, briefly in, was it earlier in Darth Vader? Yeah, when Darth he, Vader. When, yeah. When he hired, uh, when he asked for uh, bounty hunters. Um, so here they are revisiting. And <laughs> Jason, uh, Vader takes a little trip with uh, <laughs> Jabba, a little pleasure cruise out to the Sarlacc, out to murder some slaughter, some poor Banthas, just as they're whipping around Tatooine. Um, you're a big fan of this, right? Yeah, this is where I kind of, this this, uh, this issue kind of, I kind of decided I didn't like it as much as the the ones before it I just I don't see Darth Vader getting on Java sail barge and going for a ride or a tour or whatever I just it just doesn't seem like something that would really happen um you know I just Vader I think Vader is um uses his time wisely and I just don't see him going on a cruise so man yeah. He and, and to your point, he was walking out of there when Jabba said, "No, let's celebrate." And so, it seemed that it seemed like he was Vader until he went until the next panel or the next scene he appears in. He's on the on the uh, cell barge there. Uh, Ryan, Vader in this. Are you? Do you agree with Jason? It is a little strange. I just kind of viewed it as. Um... <clears throat> you know, when you meet with a business partner, you, you take them out to lunch and that sort of thing. And I think that's the way Jabba viewed this. And I, and I, I don't know. I don't seem, it doesn't seem like Vader enjoys this. He doesn't want to do it, you know. 
But uh, Job was like, hey, we made a deal. Let's go do this. And, and I think Vader's just kind of like, you know, going along with this because he's making the deal and he needs this um, needs this stuff to go through. So he's going to cooperate rather than kill everybody like he'd normally like to. Um, and so it just kind of he goes along along for the ride type of thing. I mean, they're still in there. Um, when Salacious Crumb laughs, he's, if you value that creature's life, you should tell it to never produce, never again do that in my presence. And I thought that was interesting. But um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting. But I, I didn't, I didn't mind this as much. Um, I kind of like Vader and Jabba together. They're kind of some of my favorite characters, so uh, it, it's it's pretty cool that way. But it is a little different. But like I said, it's kind of like the intergalactic uh, form of taking your business. Uh, partner out to lunch yeah i no, i totally agree with what you're saying i i do think that i don't feel like people have at least in these comics that the vader and jabba relationship i feel like there should be more there um vader was previously as a child owned by gardola gardula the hut which is i think a relative of uh, jabba's um Anakin has to face Jabba one on one when uh, during the Clone Wars movie, and he's very angry with him and upset. And so, Vader even starts off this issue coming up and saying, "You know, no, you will do what I say. the The Empire needs your resources, and we'll pay you what we want to pay you." So it's kind of like those three things should have all like led to them having a very, you know, like Vader's like ticked he has to do this, but now in this new Marvel universe, though. We have him asking for favors like bounty hunters, and we have him taking pleasure cruisers. So to me, I don't know. It's not building on what's been set up prior in regards to, like, what Anakin's view toward Jabba, who's probably also a slave owner, and, you know, it seems like there should be more to it. I don't know if uh, Jason Aaron is capturing Vader the same way that Karen Gillian is in the Vader comic. So it's a little inconsistency. Carlos, you have thoughts on that? I, I definitely agree on the inconsistency issue. Um, the Vader to here seems to me even like, even though he does come out with very strong wording, you know, we will pay you what we decide to pay you, but the fact that Jabba just in there taunting him with sarcasm and his little slamarks here and there, Vader wouldn't quite put up with that. I don't think I think he would have ended that meeting rather quickly, you know, not ended with violence, but he just I don't think he would have just put up with it and let's go for a joyride, go banta hunting. You know, it's just not quite fit again the uh, the Vader we're used to. Any thoughts, uh Jason, on who the mysterious female is that's in the cantina looking for uh Han Solo? Um Yeah, you know, I don't I'm not sure. She seems pretty ruthless. She uh, she establishes that uh, Rodians have green blood. I don't know if you caught that when she took out their knees. <laughs> that uh, they all blew up with green blood. Um, yeah, I don't know who this is supposed to be. I I really don't. Could we have a jilted lover? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Could it be Asajj Ventress? Could it be Jenny? <laughs> it's torn far. Oh. <laughs> that's how she joined the the rebel alliance right. to fire the ion ion cannon on Hoth. That's right. Awesome. That's that that was her ultimate revenge, getting control of that cannon. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who this is supposed to be. I kind of you know yeah. I kind of forgot about that character. Um, I haven't read this in a, in a in a month or two 
and I kind of forgot um, that she was even part of this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so we have uh, so we have a party looking for Han. We have Boba Fett appearing at the end, looking for uh, finding out more about Kenobi. Um, we have Darth Vader, of course, um, working with Jabba. And that leaves uh, the last two of the Star Wars cast of characters here. That would be Luke and Leia. Uh, Leia is seen chatting with Admiral Akbar, Mon Mothma, and General Dodonna. Does anyone else have a problem that Akbar is already showing up in the comics? I feel like he's such... I feel like he's such a Jedi era character, he, which is like four years from now. Akbar is also an heir to the Jedi, the novel by Kevin Hearn, which uh, came out uh, a little over, you know, almost two months ago. Um, and that is set between A New Hope and Empire. So they've kind of established yeah. Akbar is part of the rebellion during this time frame. Good to know. Good to know. And well, so uh, have they and, referenced... You know, despite the fact that they that they give Lando Calrissian the sudden promotion to general, I mean, Akbar's an admiral. He'd have to have been with the Rebel Alliance a little while, I think, to to gain an admiralty there. Mm-hmm. No, and I totally get that. I totally get that. I just I don't like them putting all their cards out on the table. I mean, because at some point, like if you're if you're regarding this as canon, by the time you get to Jedi, you're like, seen it, know that, been there, done that, you know. Oh, wait, those vehicles were in Rebels. Admiral Akbar was in the comics back in uh, A New Hope era, you know. And it's like, to me, if you're looking at it on a canon perspective, they've already weaved all the new cool stuff from Jedi into the saga in connection to the main characters. It's not like they went back and did... Akbar's origin. Well, I guess they did that in the Clone Wars, but you know, it's not like they're exploring just that character. No, they've weaved it all in. So by the time you get to Jedi, you're like, "What's new here?" Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, they they just made that decision. Um, no, yeah, clearly. I I yeah. kind of would have preferred it if they would were writing this more like had they just seen Star Wars and haven't even seen Empire yet. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was hoping Dark Horse would do that. Uh, you know, uh, you know when they started their Star Wars title in 2012, was it? I was hoping they were going to yeah. do the same thing, but they also pulled in stuff from the other movies, from like right. Empire and Jedi. So it's just not how it's done, I guess. It'd be cool though if they would. I, I think the problem is when we look at it from what came out in each movie, you're kind of looking at it almost. I hate to put it this way, but a merchandising perspective, of, you know, it's kind of, well, what new item can we put out with for this movie or what new, what new character or ship can we introduce in this movie that's new and different? Whereas in reality, I mean, let's face it, the Rebel Alliance is supposed to be this ragtag group. They're not going to develop two brand new starfighters, you know, in between uh, Empire and Jedi, which is supposed to be, what, less than a year. Um you know, there's not going to be a whole bunch of alliance leadership that suddenly pops up. Uh, so, I mean, in reality, I, I can t- see it. I know it's it's cool to see this stuff. Oh, this is Jedi era stuff. This is Empire era stuff. But I, I know in the reality of the universe, it makes sense. Yeah, but I, I also tend to look at it like if we're talking about today's military, there's going to be generals that are stationed on the 
west coast of the United States that have never met the generals that are doing the foreign base, you know, coverage over in Germany. I mean, they may have heard a name in passing. They might have communicated through memos or emails, but, you know, it's not like they're crossing paths all the time. And I feel like, you know, again, classic Tom Burgess, it's a trailer park after a while. If everyone's seen everyone and known everyone and we're all from the same place, it, it gets, it makes this huge universe a lot smaller when, you know, we've met Akbar and we've met Dodana and we've met this character. So that's my own I personal. I kind of view those people as the, as the high command type of thing for everything. So they're going to show up in, in those instances. And, and that's why we see them in Jedi is you're bringing together the entire alliance, all these different cells to, to make this last big push. So you're going to see them there, whereas they weren't going to be on the remote Hoth base uh, where they're trying to establish things or, you know, for the, just following the adventures of our heroes. True. Carlos, did you have something? No, yeah, it was just the whole concept of shrinking the galaxy. It's just, it's kind of, we saw it in, in Brian Wood's Dark Horse Star Wars uh, with the, you know, bringing up the, the building of the second Death Star so soon and, and the advanced TIE fighters and those kind of things. It was just, it was pushing things that you were like, well, yeah, we do know that they may have been in production or in prototype stages, but... Did you really have to push them into these comic books so soon? And it just kind of left like a weird, No, yeah, and I, I, exactly, exactly the point. I, I want a larger universe. I think that's why I like Rebel. I think that's why Canyon appeals to me, because we can go places we've never, ever been before, and I don't have to see, you know, gunships and stuff that's already established. So we'll see. We'll see where they go with that. Um, this book, again, going back to Luke, Luke, in my opinion, was just a complete whiner this entire issue. And I know that Luke, A New Hope, is a little bit of a whiny guy, but I don't know. They, 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 they went with the whiny, and they ran with it. Jason, what Luke, in this, episode, in this issue, did, were you believing his motivation to just get out and leave the Alliance, which he was so excited to join in A New Hope? No, not really, but... Um... But I will say this: I really like how the I really like how Luke is drawn in this comic. I think he looks really good. He looks like Luke to me, so that's cool. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I couldn't. See, I don't see him just uh, wanting to leave. But you know, you know, I don't know. How old is Luke? Suppo- Luke supposed to be around this era? Twenty-one years old, maybe twenty. Mm, and nineteen. Yeah. I think so, and I think when I when so I was that age, 19. when I was that age, I changed my mind a lot about a lot of things. So. I flip flop okay. back and forth, so who knows? But all right, yeah. um, Le- Leia is um, meeting with the bigwigs, which is interesting because it's a little different from how she's portrayed in the um, in her individual series, Princess Leia. So, if you recall, the first couple of issues, she was asking permission to meet with them, and now she's kind of like trying to give people more orders here. So I thought there was a little more inconsistency on the character of Leia. Le- Leia is um, meeting with the bigwigs, which is interesting because it's a little different from how she's portrayed in the um, in her individual series, Princess Leia. So if you recall the first couple of issues, she was asking permission to meet with them, and now she's kind of like trying to give people more orders here. So I thought there was a little more inconsistency on the character of Leia. Um, Carlos, thoughts on that? Yeah, I didn't think too much. I didn't really, 
spoke as much on Leia at all on this issue. It she, I don't know her role to me, possibly based because I'm biased of the Princess Leia comic that's out at the same time. I'm not really digging on that one either. Um, but yeah, just her role just doesn't seem quite. You know, she seems pushy and bossy at times, and then other times like um, you know, she needs a, she needs a rescue. So it's 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 back and forth. I can't quite place her yet, at least not in this series. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Ryan, what's your thoughts on Star Wars number four? And before you vote, have you, did you look closely at the cover and see that they actually used Vader's head as the A in Star Wars? <laughs> oh, I did not notice that. I just now <laughs> see that. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> huh. Interesting. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, um, can I go two and a quarter Death Stars on this? Two and a quarter. All right. <laughs> Like, I think it's a little bit better than two. I, I like where it's leading and, and stuff. You know, with Luke's whininess, I think that actually fits very well with his character that we see in A New Hope. And he's still growing and maturing. And so, yeah, even though it, it's, I think it's the type of thing, like, he just succeeded in blowing up the Death Star. But then he just failed, you know. He tried to take on Vader, and he's all mad at himself. So he feels like he needs to train and be better. So I, I can kind of see that. I love where this is leading where it seems like everybody's going to be going to Tatooine to find out information about Kenobi and, and Luke and all of that. Plus, we have this gal searching after Han. It's tying some things together. As far as, like, the, the Leia stuff, I had to remind myself that the Prince Leia miniseries takes place before what we're seeing here, and so maybe there's a difference that happens from that miniseries. Uh, obviously, we won't know for a couple more issues yet, but uh, I, I kind of got to look at it that way. Is there a de- is there a decent timeline that tells what comics are taking place when? Because I'm starting to get confused too with um, what books are taking place at what time. Um, as I read all of these, most of these comics are set roughly in the same period between New Hope and Empire, I s- assume. So I'm starting to get a little confused myself. And then Heir to the Jedi, the novel I've been reading, also in this time frame, and it's really I'm starting to wonder what's going on when. <laughs> That definitely makes me miss Dark Horse's little cover page. Yeah, the cover page that you know this takes place three months I, after A New Hope. Or I need to call up Nathan P. Butler and ask him. I'm sure. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> I think he's got it down to like which week is what's happening this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, Carl, um, Carlos. But I think uh, you probably would agree. Princess Leia is number one because that takes yeah. place. Just Princess directly. Is directly after. I mean, you see the, the ceremony, and then it just takes off from there. Um, mm-hmm. And then Star I think Star Wars, Wars is a couple or, weeks, right? Star Wars is at least a couple weeks, and I think Vader's concurrent because of that initial uh, meeting with Jabba, and then we see it kind of converge with Star Wars here in number four. Um, so there's there's – I'm thinking that Star Wars and Vader are purposely at about the same time, just different. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd agree with that. All right, Jason, what's your thoughts on Star Wars 4? Um, I'll give this one uh, two and a half Death Stars. Okay. Carlos? But Oh, uh, that opening scene with Jabba's palace in the background and the uh, Imperial Troops tran- Troop Transport in the foreground there, and the Dubat Patrol, that kind of... I love that, just that opening scene, and uh, I thought, really, oh, I'm going to love this comic book. Uh, the Vader Jabba thing, eh, not so much. 
But then, if you remember issue number three, it ended with uh, a couple guys dropping off a rodent in the middle of the Dune Sea, and they're driving past Kenobi's house, and then they kind of look up close up to uh, Kenobi's house, and they show a box that says, for Luke, mm-hmm. you know, and left you with that. What's in the box? So all of issue four, I'm sitting there going, what's in the box? What's in the box? And I never got that what's in the box. So now that everybody's heading back to Tatooine, I'm excited for it. So I'm going to give it two and a half Death Stars just because I'm excited to find out what's in the box. Great point. Great point. Um, I've, uh, I, 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 can't, I don't know if I could be as generous. I, I'm not a big fan of the art here. Cassidy, um, he did the uh, Joss Whedon run of uh, X-Men a few years ago, and it was a great story, but even then I wasn't keen on his portrayal of Colossus and Cyclops and whatnot. So he's never been my um, preferred artist on a book. Um, so the, I, I'm very visual. This stuff is – this is leaps and bounds above the Brian Wood Star Wars, the art, oh, yeah. the art though. Okay. Remember yep. when we were trying to figure out, like, where does somebody's neck connect to their head and <laughs> – Remember that? Remember we were talking about that? Like, the, yes. I, I really, um, I guess maybe I'm not saying I'm, I'm not totally in love, love with the art, but this is so much better than what we were getting last year. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I'll agree with that. Um, but story-wise, I don't know. I don't know if this uh, story does much. Uh, we, we established that Vader and Jabba, are hanging out, but we've already established that in previous issues of uh, Marvel books. Uh, we know that Leia wants to do more. We've kind of established that in other books. Uh, the only new thing really is Luke um, uh, is pretty defeated uh, by the fact that he wasn't strong enough against Vader and that there is a girl looking for Han Solo. Otherwise, we already knew Boba Fett was on Luke's tail. So there wasn't a lot that was actually you know, revealed in this book. So with that being said, um, I'm going to go with uh, two Death Stars. Two Death Stars on this one. Uh, that leads us to the third book of the month, and that would be Princess Leia, number three of a five-issue uh, miniseries. So unlike the first three books here, uh, we're ongoing. Princess Leia's only got two more issues after this one. This issue dropped on April 29th. is written by Mark Wade and art and colors by Terry Dodson. And solicitation reads, Leia's mission leads to an underground world of solace. The Empire's forces are on her tail and gaining. Join the galaxy's toughest princess on a quest to save her people. And of course, this book starts out uh, where she's continuing to collect Alderanians. Alderanians. And uh, she's already uh, grabbed a few off Naboo. And now she sets her sight on a group who uh, essentially are assisting, assisting smugglers who work on Solist. Um, and they're led by one Preserver Jora Aztan. And she's the one that's in uh, control of this group. And she's very suspicious kind because obviously having her uh, home planet destroyed, having uh, her people being hunted by the Empire, uh, she is very paranoid. And she spends most of this issue 
not believing, disrespecting, and being fairly rude to Princess Leia, who is, for all intents and purposes, uh, even more than a princess to her. She would be the queen. She would be the heir to the throne of Alderaan. So um, I'm interesting to see if anyone's going to start using that term. I mean, obviously they don't because in the movies we still get a princess, but in all intents and purposes she is a queen even though she doesn't have a kingdom anymore. Um, Actually, I, I was wondering, do we hear her called princess in Empire and Jedi? I know Han refers to her as your highness. Vader refers to her as Princess and Empire. Okay, okay. T- You're right, yeah. The Princess and the Wookiee, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was curious. But would Vader pay her the right rank? I, do I don't that? know. You know. I don't know. I mean, maybe she was a queen. Huh. I don't know. Interesting. Um, so, the problem with uh, Princess Leia's... Uh, mission right now is that she has a traitor on board and it's i think it's it's not even meant to uh carlos is this an accidental traitor or do you think it she's is. got it's accidental she you know the yeah. i think taste taste is her Tace. name on her sister tula mm-hmm. uh, you know she misses her she has no idea that she's that tula's on the other side working for the empire um yeah i think it's it's kind of unbeknownst to her and it's you know traitor no not really yeah I'm but it ends up, she ends up obviously yeah. you know, being, uh, you know, given over to the Empire. Her location uh, of Solus is given over to the Empire. And uh, so as she's trying to escape yet kind of convince this preserver who's in charge of this group of Alderons, uh, Alderonians, um, she's also having to deal with the threat that the Empire is now invading where they're... Uh, Located here under Solus, was it was it a mining colony? Was it a spy colony? I don't know. It wasn't quite clear to me on what exactly these group of people were and what they did. It reminded, uh, sorry, it reminded me of Battlestar of the classic Battlestar Galactica from like 1978. It just reminded me of like one of those weird little colonies that you don't know what's going on, but there's just people there. It just, yeah, I, I don't know. It just makes me think of for whatever reason. I just kept thinking Battlestar Galactica when I was looking at some of the some of the drawings of the colony. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. <laughs> so this so this group of colonists living from Alderaan, living on Solus, are um, they are essentially wanting to be isolated. To protect themselves, and so they have this high-tech security and spy equipment, and they detect the Empire uh, coming aboard. They believe Leia is the one that set them up. They go after her, and so now she's escaping these people and the Empire. R2-D2, classic, as always, saves the day multiple times throughout this book. Um, Essentially, uh, they escape only by releasing these rock monsters, rock renders, uh, to destroy the uh, stormtroopers who have invaded this colony. And that's pretty much it. And then upon seeing Leia fight stormtroopers is the only time that the preserver's mind gets changed and she believes that Princess Leia is Princess Leia. Ryan, you got thoughts on this book? I got one weird word. Yeah. Uh, weird. This was strange. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> These Alderanians they come across in Solust, and I know this is the wrong universe, but they actually remind me of Kryptonians in a way. 
Mm-hmm. They seem to be very isolationist, and even the costumes remind me of the way Kryptonians have been drawn in some of the Superman books. I don't know if that's just me being a Superman fan and coming back to that, <laughs> but it it seems very Kryptonian in so many ways. There's even on uh, one of the pages they're talking to a guy on a screen, and it looks like it could be right out of a Superman book. It, it's strange. And R2 comes through in the ship midway through that looks like it could be basically some sort of car missing wheels. Mm-hmm. If you look at it closely, it I don't know. If the artist was just trying to insert their childhood car or their favorite car or something, it's it's strange. This whole yeah. book is strange. There's and you said there's numbers on some of the vehicles like drawn in, like actual, you know, just numbers. Yeah. Um, and I've, I looked at some of them trying to figure out what the numbers might mean, and I thought maybe it was like a birthday of a child or something. One looks like it's from um, – let's see. One of the numbers. Five, six, oh, Yeah, seven. I thought maybe maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the artist that was – you know, maybe their child was born on that day or something, and they're just like inserting their own little uh, Easter eggs into it. That's, that's all I could really come up with with the number. Yeah, this, uh, this is a little interesting. Um there wasn't again there wasn't a lot developed here it was leia wanted to welcome these wanted to bring these people and save them and they resisted it and then the empire showed up and then they accepted it mm-hmm. and story's over carlos what's your thoughts on princess leia you seem like you have a uh some uh feelings toward the first couple of issues yeah it just it seems like it's a very quickly put together little haphazard maybe the storyline just isn't that you know I, I, when they first announced that it, it was like oh leia's and you know she finally gets time to grieve and you know this and that and i'm like okay so it's gonna be a sad sappy story but now she's on this crusade to save every alderanian in the galaxy and what is she gonna do with them i mean is she gonna put them all in one planet and then that planet's gonna get blown up as well you know it's like what's her end game you know with all this so I just I, I'm curious to see how they're going to wrap this up because um, this story, this particular comic number three, just really didn't take you anywhere and it was pretty predictable. I mean, once once Tace made that contact with her sister, it was like, oh, that's it, they're done for. The Empire's going to find them, and you know, it was like, yep, there it happened. You know, so it wasn't like a big surprise or anything. So yeah, now they're going to go catch a spy. You know, it's like, mm, yeah, it just kind of leaves you with where's the story really going. You know the drawing, the, the 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 story itself, the writer. It just doesn't seem very. I don't know. It just seems like it was put together at the last minute. You bring up a really good point because um, Alderaan is a peaceful planet. We have no weapons. So what, what's her? In what she's going to do with these people? She's not going to enlist them in the in the rebellion, right? Because then they'd have to fight. Positions and you know, and they're supposed to be you know people of high couture you know mm-hmm. they there's that monster in there that only eats stormtrooper armor or whatever <laughs> like that could be useful right i mean they should take that thing with them <laughs> that's true that's true they say they're not they're not flesh eaters but they will eat high <laughs> high uh what carbonate or something yeah take that to endor exactly i'm like what yeah that's all i can think of is like they should take that monster with them and 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 use it well endor has its own monsters but that only giant that only eats stormtroopers though or only eats stormtrooper armor that's a good point but no but where were those giants on endor 
Oh, they yeah, they're chasing Ewoks and Dulocks. Did did the and and the uh, the 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 the, uh, the leader from Alderaan? Um, what do they call? Preserver. Yeah, yeah. I could only see Jocasta New whenever I looked at her, thinking she kind of looks like Jocasta New, and and she, she really <laughs> she kind of reminded me of B. Arthur from the Holiday Special. That's funny. yeah, that too, that too. I thought she, she, she a... her change of heart seemed very sudden too, like almost jarringly like okay you're fine you're leia uh, they're rush, like they're rushing the story through yeah uh, now that now that ryan has said kryptonians now that's all i see <laughs> you don't see Battlestar galactica <laughs> no it, it, i mean i could see where you say that but it feels more kryptonian to me now i didn't think about it until he said it but totally and now I kind of see her as B. Arthur. So you guys are really those, saying at this are point. Those, are those Alderanians, are they, are they wearing, is their headgear the, um, have Nebu we, pilot? no, that oh, looks wow. like the uh, Macquarie, uh, Ooh, is it the, yeah. is it the Macquarie uh, speeder, uh, speeder bike driver? Or is it Joe, speeder or is it Joe Johnson? One of those guys. I, it, I think it's, it's the, con- yeah, it's I, the concept speeder bike guy, I think. It looks real close. You bet. Yeah. I do like. I still like Leia's outfit a lot. I like that crossover between her white and Padme's white yeah. snow bunny outfit. I like that amalgam that she's wearing. I think that's awesome. I like the fe- yeah. I like the female Luke. I think they should make an action figure of that. Um, yeah. No, I would love it. Of course. Of course. But they won't. No, no, they they don't make action figures anymore. <laughs> Not of this stuff. kind of stuff. But I think I'd be I'd make a cool action figure. Uh, the 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 female Luke, who says "ma'am" like a hundred times in every issue. <laughs> totally. I um. I have to. Uh, I still really like Yvonne. I think she's. I think she reminds me of the Gwendolyn Christie character from Game of Thrones. Mm. Um. Ryan, what's her name again? Um, Brianna Tarth. Yes, yes. I feel like she's that type of character, and I really, really like that character. Um, so she's a standout for me. So let's go through and let's uh, see where this falls. I don't think it's going to fall very high, but uh, Ryan, where does this fall with you? Uh, um, it, it's somewhere between one and one and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say one and a half. It's, it's just, it's too strange. It's. It seems like it could be so much better that they could do so much more with this, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't quite understand where they're going with this. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one and a half Death Stars. Fair enough, Jason. Um, you know, I'm even though this one didn't make a whole lot of sense, and um, I'm gonna say two. I'm I'm still just really enjoying Marvel comics <laughs> for Star Wars, even 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 the ones that aren't quite as good as the others um i'm still gonna give it two so which is low for me for how i've been rating the, the marvel comics right because i've been saying three on nearly all of them since this started yeah we're the, like, like i said april's an off remember last year last year when dark horse was wrapping up and i'm i am a fan of dark horse comics but i was giving them like negative death stars and stuff <laughs> so so i mean this <laughs> i don't know i'm still in the i'm really happy about these new comics from marvel phase so i will give it a two all right <laughs> two it is in the books carlos 
You know, I, I started the Princess Leia series, and I mean, I was obviously not in the past uh, episodes here on the spinner rack. But if I would, if I would have, I would have rated number one as a three, number two as a two. But this number three, I'm I'm gonna go down with down to one. Uh, just I just don't see how they're gonna wrap this up. And if they do, they pull it off. Yeah, I'll go back to three. But um, right now, I'm not I'm not really impressed with with the storytelling. Um, yeah, no, I. Maybe I'm a little harsh, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, I, Well, think about it. Think <laughs> yeah. about it. Uh, it starts off with uh, her talking to her traitor sister, and the end panel is Leia says we have a ch- we have a traitor. There's there's not it ends and begins where the reader already is. There wasn't really anything new. She you know that she was going there to adopt people, and she adopts people. And there you go. So, yeah, I'll go one and a half. Uh, I'll go just a little bit higher because I still like some aspects of like uh, the art. I, I don't mind Cassidy's art, Odson's art at all on this. So, um, yeah, I approve. But uh, overall story, it's got some problems. Um, just a few odds and ends here before we wrap up the show. I know we're going pretty long today, but we've had fun times talking about these uh, quasi-good books this month. But... Um, this, uh, earlier this month, Star Wars A New Hope Remastered was re, uh, was released, and this is the graphic novel that collects uh, Marvel's original 1977 uh, run of uh, Star Wars comics, and uh, it remasters them by taking the same uh, line art but giving them new coloring. Uh, my question is, Jason, does this have interest to you? Uh, I don't know. You know, I have the originals all the original Marvel issues. So to spend money on, on comics I already have, um, comics really aren't my focus. Not like, like I'm not like Carlos where comics, you know, comics are his focus. They're not my focus. The action figures are my focus. I do enjoy the comics quite a bit though. So I really don't know if I can justify rebuying comics that I already have. It's, I think it's interesting and, um, you know, I'd love to, to page through it, but I, I will not be purchasing these, no. All right. Ryan? No, I, I, I don't even really have the nostalgia for the the old comics. I didn't read them as a kid. I think I've got a couple issues somewhere, but uh, it, it's not that big a deal to me. So uh, this isn't something I need to spend my money on. Okay. Carlos, I'm sure I know the answer, <laughs> but... Yeah, and, and let me caveat it. I mean, yes, I do. I did buy it, um, but it's something I could have done without had they not ever done this. I didn't wasn't really interested in the remastering itself. I was kind of interested in the technology they used to do it, um, the end product. It just kind of like you know, it, it's to me they just redid it, and it's just another comic uh, adaptation, kind of like how when Dark Horse redid it with uh, with their uh, trilogy movies um, during the special edition time frame but um there was a few extra pages in the back that had some pretty cool you know artwork and stuff some extra little features um the only real reason i mean i could i was about to pass on it but the only real reason i got it is because there was it was a cheap graphic novels 30 percent off thing and i got it for like 20 bucks or something so um but it's i think for if someone were to ask me as a comic book collector i'd say go ahead and pass it's not really if you know the nostalgia, yeah, for me it was you know the originals will always be the originals, and um, this this is I just look at it as just a different adaptation. I don't even try to compare it to the originals because then I'll just it'll probably just piss me off. 
<laughs> now, now, do you uh, did, did you how did you enjoy or did you at all a more movie accurate colorization of the characters? I mean, well, it is did, enjoyable if you if you look at it as that as just the the, the nice technology and the coloring that they added. Um, the line art is a little bit different. In some cases, some panels are, you know, they, you can tell they touched it up more than just color. They, they actually did redo a little bit of the artwork, too. So um, there are some touch-ups here and there. Uh, again, as a standalone, I do like it as, as the, the coloring really brings out. So, you know, you get a lot of the, you know, the, the blue hues on Darth Vader's uh, uniform are gone. And, you know, some of those silly Marvel colorings from the very beginning, like Tarkin's green uniform and things like that. You know, you get the realistic stuff, but um, but that's kind of what gave the old Marvel series the, the you know the nostalgia and the you know the uniqueness that it, that it has today is because it was just so silly and off, and that's kind of the way us kids grew up with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as a standalone, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I think the remastering they did a really good job at it, and I mean they're they're pros at what they do. Uh, but as a comic book collector, yeah, definitely would be a pass. It's not. It's not an essential add to my collection kind of thing. I, I probably, like I said, if it wasn't so cheap, I probably would have passed on it as well. My my only question is, what color did they make Jabba, who's not Jabba? Oh. Yeah, actually, I have to go back and look. I don't have it here in front of me. Um, oh, good question. Let me go. I'll scan that tonight. I'll probably post that as a throwback or something. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, because that was my big. I, I yeah. don't think steel green. <laughs> look. I plan on picking this up because I do like the idea of having a new version of that uh, vintage art. Um, but I had to wait till June because on Free Comic Book Day, my comic book store, which is amazing, um, passed out coupons that were in June. You buy two graphic novels, you get one free. And there's a couple <laughs> on my to-do list. So I'll be picking this up in June. Um, just real quick. Give me, give me a Death Star rating, uh, Jason. In regards to Marvel Comics, how canon are you regarding these these comics? The the current stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Marvel stuff. Are, is this is this like you think of it one and the same as the movies? I don't. Or is this no? I don't think. Yeah, I think of the comic book stuff as its own thing, kind of like I see Rebels. The TV show is its own thing, kind of like I've always seen Clone Wars as its own thing. Um, these comics do not affect how I watch the movies. When I watch Empire Strikes Back, I will not think, oh, but wait, Darth Vader already battled Luke, you know, in comic book number whatever. Um, they're their own thing. I enjoy them as their own thing. Um, I appreciate that they're trying to make everything one canon now, you know, one new canon. And I, that's it's, – it's good, I think, um, as far as not confusing people too much. But um, – the movies for me are, are separate. Still enjoy the comics a lot, but they're separate. Okay, so you're probably like on a one scale, one yeah, best yeah, in regards. Exactly. Okay, Ryan, uh, I'm gonna say two Death Stars. Um, I, I like what a lot of they're doing, uh, especially when they started out. Those first first few issues of Star Wars and Vader, especially, they were really good. Um, I still think Star Wars is going strong. Uh, Vader seemed to have slipped a little bit, but I'm hoping it, it comes back up. And Leia's really gone strange. So I, I, 
I think um, most of it still feels very in universe, like it's it's very much there, but um, it, it's not quite. So, like I said on Princess Leia, it's very comic booky. Uh, Vader had a little bit of that too. So, um, yeah, I, I'll just say two Death Stars on it. Gotcha, Carlos. You know, people would probably say, "Oh, you're a comic book, you know, fanatic." You're gonna say three right off the bat because it's comic books, and the movie should follow the comic books. No, actually, you know what? Uh, um, I kind of tend to agree with Jason. Um, I, I see them for what they are, and the storylines are good. And as as far as there's no contradictions or major things that would say, "Well, wait a minute, that's you know, kind of like how we had so many different little disparities before." Um, you know, the, the Lucas story group is doing a pretty good job thus far, um, but even so, I still kind of see them as separate. I don't really try to mix and, and say, okay, well, yeah, that couldn't happen, or that's not how we, you know. And even so, even just from today's conversation already, we've kind of highlighted a few points where, you know, that's not the Vader we know. So with that in mind, um, I don't know, do we go zero to to three, or do we just do one to three? Because if it's you, zero to three, I think, I I think we decided zero was the uh, hologram that Dooku <laughs> has. <laughs> if it's zero to three, I would say one and a half. If it's one to three, then I would say two. So somewhere between one and a half and two. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is. I, I am someone that really enjoys continuity. I love it. It makes me very, very happy. And when movies or superhero franchises reboot, I'm like, no, come on, just do something. Do what Trek did. Give us a connected alternate universe. Do something. I love continuity. I love follow through. And um, uh, so I, I, I jumped into this Marvel world wanting to embrace it and say, man, it's going to be all canon. It's three. I'm in on three and three. I know it's going to be three Death Stars good. I know it's going to just affect the movies so much better, and I'm not feeling it. I'm unfortunately not feeling it. I feel like Dark Horse back in the day had a lot more uh, – drew me into that continuity of the Star Wars world more. Um, but I know we're still new. We're only – well, we've only covered four months, and we've only been up through five months anyway of comics. So I'm going to give it time, but right now it's pretty low. I'm like one, one and a half Death Stars on where I view this in connection with the movies. I want it to be more. I really do, but right now it's just not convincing me. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for um, joining me tonight. And I want to thank you all of you listeners out there for joining us for the Star Wars Spinner Rack. Uh, we've had a great time breaking down April's comics, and we'll be back again for May. Uh, if you have questions or want to uh, comment on the show, you can email us at galaxyatoys at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at galaxyatoys. And to listen to our previous episodes of any of our shows, you can find us on iTunes, Zoom, Stitcher Smart Radio, and, of course, on Podbean at www.galaxyatoys.podbean.com. So, until next month, may the Force and the funny books be with you.